Well, it's Hi, always to great to be back in the good old hop town, amen? Here is uh, Cody Jones. I feel like every time uh, I come, shortly after, there's like a major storm that comes through this place and nearly wipes it out. <laughs> but uh, the truth is, there is a storm coming. Uh, and it's coming to America and it's coming to the nations of the earth. It's actually already upon us. And I don't know that the church is ready for what's coming. You, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride. Amen. That he's preparing us. And actually, he said he's coming back for a bride who has made herself ready. Jesus is not making us ready. It's our job as the church to make ourselves ready. And I don't know that many people are ready for his coming. Mm -hmm. If Jesus was to split the sky tonight... Are you, are you sure of your eternity? Jesus is not coming back just for someone who said a prayer. Come on. Because you can say a prayer today and not be right tomorrow. And the truth is, is that we have to be ready at all times. Actually, Jesus taught us. He said, be on watch. He said, be on guard. Pray. Be watchful. He says that when he comes, that Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. I know that there's no uh, ex-thieves in here, so uh, you might not understand what I'm talking about. He said if you knew when the thief was coming, then you would be ready for when he shows up. So it says those living in darkness, when he returns, that he will come like a thief in the night. They'll be asleep. You know, most people, uh, I realize this, most people don't know that they're sleeping until they wake up. You know, if you're like a, a dad of any sort, you go to watch the news or football or whatever you watch, UK basketball, and you go and it's the first quarter, and next thing you know, you wake up and the game's over. And you're thinking, when did I fall asleep? I didn't even realize I was sleeping. And then your wife says, yeah, you were snoring the whole time. And you're like, there ain't no way I was snoring, right? Because you didn't realize that you were asleep until you woke up. And Jesus, we, the church has to wake up. That's right. Amen. We have to wake up in the hour in which we live. We cannot be asleep. And so, I'm ready. Are you ready is the question. Amen. I hope you are. If you're not, by the end of this night, we're going to give the opportunity to get ready. Amen. I want to do something a little different tonight. I'm going to have a few people come up here. Brother Rick, come up here. Uh, I want to have a few people share briefly just a testimony. How many of you have never been in a meeting with me before? This is your first time in a meeting with me. Okay, well, here's what I'm going to tell you. There's an exit there, here, and here. Because whatever happens after this point is not my fault. You can blame it on the Holy Ghost, amen? So I'm giving you your warning of escape right now, you know, whichever way you want to go. How many people have... Uh, been in my meeting and you've had something uh, powerful happen in one of, like a testimony, like you've been delivered, uh, you've been set free, a miracle, a healing, anything like that in my meeting. Uh, come, uh, Randy, come up here. I was going to call you up here too. Uh, so just because Rick came up to me before the meeting started and just tell the people uh, where you were at uh, and what's what took place in your life and what's been happening for the last couple of months that you shared with me. Well, first of all, I've told him that I've never spoken in front of anybody, so not to call me up here. <laughs> no, I, 
I did some time at North Point Prison, and uh, Cody's been there to uh, speak, and it, I follow it on Facebook and kind of touched home because I, I went to a SAP program there, and it changed my life. And uh, I came home, and I came home to my family. Amen. Because it changed my life. Hallelujah. And, uh, when I first started coming to see Cody, um, he blessed me and my wife. Touch him, Jesus. And he put a blessing on our marriage. Amen. And ever since, we've had nothing but great things. Hallelujah. Yeah. What, what was happening? You just been at peace, or what, what's been happening? We weren't married. Yeah, we just got married, and you you blessed us with a long, a long, prosperous marriage, and um, our our friendship continues to get stronger. My wife, Terry Jessica. Yeah. 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 Straight and narrow. Um, I'm, I'm a I'm a drug addict. You um, was a drug addict. Two months, I'll celebrate five years clean. So, there's nothing that can stop anybody when you put your mind to it. And I love proven fact. Amen. 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 You Hallelujah. Are, you guys are married, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought you just lied to me or something. <laughs> <laughs> you got married right before you met me. Okay. Amen. I love that you were the reason, but yeah, we met you. Yeah, it's all good. I'll still, you can still say that to me. Uh, you know, so it's amazing because, well, thank you, Brother Rick. I love you, man. And I appreciate testimony. Was like they're here. Amen. Amen. Brother Randy, come here. Uh, yeah, give him another hand. <laughs> situation with addiction and uh and so that's what i've been trying to do is study more and i plan on going out there and bringing people to the lord surrender to the Lord Amen. and then allow him to flow through my life. But you can be around preachers, you can be around revival services, you can be around meetings like this, recovery meetings. But if you don't get around somebody that carries the anointing, then you're going to leave the same way that you come every single time. And you know, when I was on my way down, I just thought of two testimonies and I thought, man, I ain't shared those in a while. So I'm going to go ahead and share them. Uh, I was wishing they were here, but they're not, so I'm gonna, they're going to be in trouble with me next time I see them. Uh, but this was probably like, I would say maybe two years ago. And, and a lot of times when I'm 
moving in the Holy Ghost, I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just listening to Him. I'm obeying Him and do what He tells me to do. And then you find out the results later. Amen. And so I remember we, we were in a meeting here. And I, I did what I always do. I was praying for people. And I called out a couple right back there by that round table. And I called them out. And there, were, and there was a lady. And I, I asked her, I said, do you have a, a daughter? And she said, yes. And, she, and I said, is she away from the Lord? And she said, yeah. And so I prayed and I said, well, this is what the Lord says. I said, the Lord, your, do your daughter is going to return to the Lord. And, and I laid my hands on her, prayed for her. There she went. And, and I didn't even remember doing that. But what happened was, is that I was in a meeting uh, over in Nortonville. Uh, I don't even know how long after it was. It was a couple months. But I began to minister and I lined people up that were addicted. I, and, you know, people that were either in recovery or were currently addicted and uh it was my first time preaching over there with pastor howard and i, and I lined the people up and there was probably about 40 people up there at the altar yeah. and what happened was is i just began to go down the line and pray for people and then i went to go pray for this girl that was probably 16 years old i think she was probably about 16 and when i did the woman next to her stopped me and said hey uh she, would, she grabbed me and said, that's my daughter. That's my daughter. And I'm thinking, well, praise God. Thanks for letting me know that I'm about to pray for your daughter. And she said, uh, no, you don't understand. She said, you prayed for me. And she told me this afterwards. I didn't realize it. But she said, you prayed for me right there in the line, like the music song. She said, you prayed for me over in Hopkinsville. And you told me that my daughter was going to come back to the Lord. She said, this is my daughter. Right here, this is my daughter. And so what was amazing about that was that young lady was, you know, I, I don't know how she was living, but it wasn't for the Lord. So, I mean, you can add one plus one. What, what do people do when they're not living for the Lord? Whatever they want. Amen. It's called sin. She was in the back. And uh, what I found out afterwards is that. You know, people, you pray for people, they fall on the floor or whatever happens. People shake, they cry, they scream, they laugh. You have all these manifestations that begin to happen. And she was in the back and she was telling her mom, I don't believe in any of this. That stuff's not real. And so then I come up to her and when I'm about to pray for her, I'm talking about she is like beat red. Like she's under the power of God. And I, I've not even prayed for her. She's shaking, she's crying. And her mom stops me, and then I, I pray the fire of God hits her, and she hits the ground, and they tell me that afterwards. And I'm thinking, you, so you're telling me that you don't believe that this is real. Well, then what just happened to you? Why are you on the floor? Why are you shaking? What? Because the, the power of God has the ability to make a believer out of an unbeliever. Come on. See, what happens is, is when you get in a room where there's faith, all of the, because, because here's the thing, you can be theologically approved, you can know doctrine, you can know church, you can be a deacon, you can be a bishop. You know, they ask, what, what, let me ask you, what is a deacon? What do they even do? Come on, I'm right? A okay, what does that mean? Tell me, please. Well, I just collect the offering. I, I don't know if that's actually a, a biblical deacon. So we just give these people names, but then you find out that, that you can have titles, you can have prestige, you can have everything. But if you don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. It's actually impossible right. to access God without faith. Amen. You must have faith. Say that. Say, I, I must have, have faith. faith. And so when God begins to move in the room, people's faith 
begins to rise. Yes. Amen. And you can begin to believe. That's all you need tonight. The other time was uh, James. And this was amazing because yes. I didn't, you know, you always find out the good testimonies like weeks after you right. leave. You walk out and you're like, well, that meeting, I guess it was good. I'm not sure really what happened. And you, you walk out like uh, kind of discouraged. And then you find out later it was actually a good meeting. You didn't even realize it. <laughs> and uh, because God doesn't need my help. Amen. Amen. So what happened was, is, you know, for those of you, maybe your first time, maybe you're new to church or you've never been around stuff like this. You know, the power of the Holy Ghost is everything. Yeah. Yeah. There's a story in the Bible, Matthew 25, where Jesus is telling a parable. And he says, the bridegroom went away and there were ten virgins. Yeah. Five of them had oil in their lamp and their wicks mm -hmm. trimmed. That their, their lamp was burning. But then you had five more that did what? They went to sleep. They slumbered. They went to sleep. And then the bridegroom showed up and said, hey, here I am. And the ones that fell asleep begin to say, hey, can I borrow some of your oil? And they said, hey, you can't have my oil. you got to go get your own. Listen, there's going to be a lot of people when Jesus returns that claim to be Christians. The moment that he comes, they're going to go to their brother or their sister and say, hey, brother, I, I didn't realize what I was missing, but I need some of your oil. And you're going to say, hey, I only have enough for me. I, I only have enough for myself. You should have got your own oil. And, and people are going to be sadly mistaken to realize that they lived a life, and, but they didn't live it for God. They just claimed the title of a Christian, and, but they really didn't live for God. What was the oil for? It was to keep the lamp burning. Friend, if your lamp is not burning tonight, you need to make sure before you get out of this room that your lamp is burning and that you are on fire for God. You, you cannot live for God in the day and age in which we live with a pilot light. Come on. You know, some people, their, their fire is about as great as a big lighter. And then if it ain't a big, they go to the, to the corner store and get one. We call them the crack lighters. The ones that you can flip the back of it and keep turning the thing up until the, the, the flame hit the fan. If you're going to have a fire, at least have one like that. Amen. It's amazing how many people knew what kind of lighter I was talking about. <laughs> but Brother Randy told you what happened to him. He got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Friend, you know, the fact that Christians want to debate, well, do I need to receive the baptism to make it to heaven? That, when you ask that question, I don't even need to conversate with you. You're just, you know, because I've heard people say, well, no, you don't need it. Yeah, if, if, you, if you're asking the question of why do I need it, let me just tell you. You don't need it. Just, just live without it. Go for it. See, see how it works for you. And then I'm going to live with it. And then we're going to, you know, at the end, we'll see where we're at. You need the baptism. Come you on. need the fire. Yes. Ain't it amazing? that? Think of the prophecy that was prophesied right before Jesus stepped on the scene. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me whose sandal strap I'm not even worthy to loose. And he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So if you think, and then, then if you go to read the book of Acts, Acts 1, the Bible clearly tells us that this is that. Jesus said, go into the upper room, go and wait, because just as John the Baptist said, let me read it to you just so you know it's in there. Think about, okay, let me ask you this. 
if you had a family member that had an inheritance for you, billion dollars, a billion dollar inheritance, do you know what you have to do to receive that inheritance? Nothing. They have to die. Yeah. Amen? They're going to hold it until they die, and then they pass it on to you. That's what, pe that's what people do. They, they have something that they have in reserve, and then they give it to you. Once they're gone, it's released to the children or whoever they choose to leave it to. So if, if you had a family member that says, hey, I had a billion dollars, and it's for you, but this is what you have to do in order to receive it, I'm sure you would follow the, 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 the instructions to the T. Now, I heard a minister say this, and this will really help you if you, if you can get this in your, in your heart. The Bible is not a book of promises. The Bible is a book of covenant. Mm. We have a bunch of K-love Christians. <laughs> driving around in soccer mom vans on Xanax. Oh. <laughs> crying all the time because they need God to come and help them. Mm. Friend, how many times are you going to ask God to come and help you for the same thing? <laughs> Wait, what, what, what am I saying to you tonight? I'm saying tonight, uh, I think our brother said it. That one day a line will come out of you. Well, let me tell you something. One day is today. Amen. Today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's not next month. It's not next year. Friend, you don't have to wait for Asbury to have another revival. You can have an encounter tonight and live in a personal revival. You don't have to let the lion out sometime in the future. If that's the case, just go to the zoo. But if you want the fire, you can let the lion out of you tonight. Yeah. And this is what Christians love. Christians actually love their problems. <laughs> they, they love their issues. They don't want to be free. Because if I told you you could break through tonight, then you should want to break through. Amen. Show me one person in the Bible that Jesus ministered to. And he said, hey, I'm going to pray for you now, but this ain't going to work probably for about 10 days. <laughs> no, when they came to Jesus in faith, they received their miracle immediately. So Jesus is not the one in question. Let me tell you something. Jesus wants to help you more than you want him to help you. You have to have faith. You know, we're not waiting for breakthrough. You break through. Who breaks through? You break through. I'm going to share a few things with you tonight. Listen to this. What did Jesus say before he ascended? Acts 1, verse 4. And while being in their company and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he said, you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but not many days from now, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The last thing that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven this is probably the most important statement he could make. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I have a billion dollars. Here's my last instruction if you want it. You would be like, give me the pen and paper. Pull my, here, I'm turning my, my record button on my iPhone. I got to make sure I have this to the T because I ain't missing out on that. So if Jesus, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit in the book of Ephesians, when you receive the Holy Spirit, he is the seal. Of redemption. Amen. He is the inheritance. It's the Holy Ghost. You're not waiting for some physical thing to come. You receive a person. The person of the Holy Spirit. 
And so, look, look, it's like this. And this is the problem with Christians. They don't think it's that important. I don't think that Holy Ghost stuff is all that important. Wow. If you gave, if you would give God the same kind of faith that you gave the dope boy, you may be the next Billy Graham. Hey, hey, I'm going to re-up right now. I'll be there in an hour. Be outside, 20 degrees out. Two hours later, you've been staying out there for an hour. Where are you at? I'm coming down the street. You see my headlights? You see my headlights? I'm going to pull up. <laughs> this is not a book of promises. This is a book of covenant. You, you have your part to do. What was your part for the dope boy? Go and wait. Until I come. But when Jesus said. Go and tarry. Until the promise comes. They didn't just wait for an hour. They didn't just wait for a day. They waited for 10 days. They pressed in. They contended. They, they, they gave everything. And waited for the very seal of redemption. To come and fill it. And when the fire came. It shook everything that could be shaken. See, Jesus had an inheritance. And Jesus went to the cross. He died a gruesome death. He was buried and resurrected. When Jesus Christ died, he went to death or he went to hell and took the keys to death, hell, and the grave so that you could receive an inheritance. Friend, you're not sitting around tonight waiting on a billion-dollar miracle. You can receive something that is with that you can't get with money. You can't get with possession. You can only get it by faith. That's right. I come up here. I make an altar call. James comes up here, and this is his words of what he told me. He said, I grew up, my grandmother was a Baptist. You know, it's amazing when you get around drug addict theologians. <laughs> they know enough about God to know that that Holy Ghost stuff ain't real, but they don't know enough to stay clean. Take that drug addict th theology, that broken mess theology, roll it up like a scroll, put some Vaseline on it, and use it as a suppository. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shove it back somewhere, because I don't want it. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, if you want to be free tonight, you can be free tonight. So James comes up. He says, I'm going to respond to that call. I'm, I was raised Baptist. I don't believe in that stuff. So if he comes to pray for me, I'm going to make sure he's not pushing me down. He said, I knew two things about Pentecostals. 
Don't let them push you down. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> now, his name was Jim Jones. Somehow, I still have the same last name. But I didn't bring Kool-Aid, amen? <laughs> and so, he comes up, and when I go to pray for him, I think he was standing right here. I went to pray for him, and I could tell when I went to lay hands on him. You know, you can tell the people that are ready to receive and those who aren't. The ones that aren't, they go like this. They turn their foot like sideways, and they brace. <laughs> right? And I, I could tell he was, he was braced. He was like, hey, you're not pushing me down. And I was just like, I'm just not going to pray for you. I mean, here's the thing. If you're not open to receive, right. it, I could put my hand on your head until my handprint's imprinted there. Right. If you're not in a place of faith to receive, then you're not going to get anything. So he braces himself, and this is what I said to him. I just said, just relax, dude. That's it. That's a good word, ain't it? <laughs> Prophetic. Just relax. I didn't even pray for him. I kept walking. And I started to speak in tongues. About right here. Walking, and I start to speak in tongues. Now, this is what, he'll tell you this. He said, now, I wasn't going to let you push me to the ground. But I definitely knew that I did not believe in speaking in tongues. He said, when you started speaking in tongues, he said, I interpreted what you said. He said, and immediately the Lord spoke to me and said, son, kneel down before me now. And when the Lord spoke that to me, he didn't kneel. He said it felt like someone came out and speared him and his legs completely gave out. He fell face first on the floor and began to speak in tongues and had no clue what was happening to him. Now, I, I didn't lay hands on him. I didn't even pray for him. The Holy Ghost knows what to say to a person when you don't know what to say to a person. Because the Holy Ghost has eternal life. He has the words of life. Jesus said, hey, go ahead. If you want to leave, you can go too. Peter said, if I leave, where would we go, Lord? For you have the words of life. You have eternity for us. The Lord spoke to him, and there he was, face down on the ground. He said, I went back to the program that night. He was two weeks clean off heroin, or meth. He went back to the program that night. He said, I laid in bed until 1 a.m. and cried and spoke in tongues. Wow. I didn't know that until probably two months after. He called me and said, hey, let me tell you what happened to me. He said, I told my pastor about you. <laughs> He said, he's going to be, he said, you need to come to my church. It's like, yeah, you just want me to show up like, hey, pastor, give me the mic. James told me to get over here. <laughs> Ain't going to work well, right? I said, I'm not just showing up. Tell him to call me. He said, and I'm telling you, he was so touched by what happened, what God did in his life. He was like, nah, you come. He said, I want to pack that place out. Finally, Pastor Howard calls me and this is what he said. He said, listen, I've known James for over a decade. He said, I don't know what happened to him or what you did to him. <laughs> <laughs> must have been the Kool-Aid. <laughs> it must have been the Kool-Aid. And uh, he said, I normally don't do this because I don't even know who you are. But I want to invite you to come to our church to preach. And that testimony that I told you about the girl, that was the meeting that that happened in. God has a way of doing things. But it must first take your faith. You know, let me tell you something. I, I was a drug addict for 12 years. I know there's always new people in here, so I try to cover this. 
I was a drug addict for 12 years. My father was a drug addict, did almost 10 years in prison, went to prison when I was nine, got out when I was 18, I was selling drugs for him. My mother was a prostitute. You know, so I, I wasn't raised in church. I, I, I knew nothing about church. I knew nothing about worship, knew nothing about the Bible. I got invited to church one time, I think, when I was, or yeah, I got invited one time when I was nine years old and I went. And that was the only time I'd ever been to church in my life. So, you know, I, I needed something supernatural. It's amazing. Like, you get around people that have been in addiction. I don't know that it gets more demonic than that. How is it that it's normal for a heroin addict to do enough heroin to overdose to where your body can't function, but God's not powerful enough to do something in your life to where your physical body can't function? When you start to shake and cry, what do you think that is? That is God overwhelming you. It's His presence on you and your body doesn't know how to respond. Amen. You know, but for the first 18 months, I got saved when I was 19. For the first 18 months, I'm going to share something with you tonight. I, I had nobody preach this to me about faith. I thought it was normal for you to come into church every single week and struggle with the same thing in that it never go away. Wow. I'm just kidding. And this is what we do. We, we create these concepts and these thoughts in our mind that say, well, I'm just always going to be like this. But God understands. No, God doesn't understand. God did not send his son to die on a cross to understand why you can't be free. He died the most gruesome death known to humanity. Did you know that the Bible tells us that Jesus, when he was beaten, that he was marred so much that he was he, you couldn't even recognize he was a human yeah. apart from an animal. That's what the Bible says. Do you think Jesus was tortured so that you could struggle forever? No. That you could hope that 10 years from now you could get your kids back? <clears throat> or that you could get three years clean and then go back to the same vomit? That's not what Jesus died for. Jesus died for you to break through and for you to stay broke through. Yeah. He didn't die for you to go back and forth. He didn't put you on a seesaw where you go up and down. Listen, the ride of Christianity is not a roller coaster ride. And if it is, it's only going up. Because the Bible says that uh, until Jesus comes back, that the righteous, that their days will grow brighter and brighter. That he will take you from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Not from defeat to defeat or struggle to struggle. He says, when I break you through, I'm going to keep breaking you through. And every time the devil comes knocking on your door, you're going to blow his behind out of here. And say, I got the Holy Ghost. I got the fire. Devil, you cannot stop me. Think about it. Moses. I love that song. You know, you split the sea so I can walk right through. It's powerful. But listen, if you've ever read that story, Exodus 14, go read it for yourself. The Bible says that Moses came up to the wall of, of that sea, backs against the wall. What are we going to do? The Bible says that he begins to cry out to God and say, God, come and help us. What are we going to do? You want to know what he said? He said, quit crying. Say that. Say quit crying. Quit crying. You know what my message is tonight? Quit crying. 
Is that a Holy Ghost enough for you? <laughs> Quit crying. Quit making excuses. He said, quit crying, get up off the ground, and here, grab this stick. I don't have much. That's what that song said. Yeah, but you got something. I don't care what you have. You may not have much, but you have something. He said, take the stick and stretch it out. What did he do? He made him activate his faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. Say that. Say the title deed. <laughs> faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving is real fact what is not revealed to the senses. And without faith... It's impossible to please God. That's why you have to come to Him in your darkest moment. That's why you have to come to Him in your brokenness. Because you have to be able to trust and believe Him beyond what you can see. Beyond what you feel. Beyond where you're at. But without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to Him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that He is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek Him out. Faith is active. I love what my pastor says. He said the way that you, the, really what faith is, you want to know what faith means? Faith is not a belief system. You can say I believe in Jesus, but that doesn't mean you have faith. Faith is risk. Faith is risk. I believe in Jesus, brother. You know, I really want to get delivered, but I just can't quit using that suboxone. Take a step of faith. Risk it. Well, I'll be sick. You're already sick. Risk it. You know, I'm a, I'm a felon. I can't get a job. Listen, if, you're, if you have felonies in here, the last thing you need to say is uh, you're limited that you can't get a job because you have felonies. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. Take a risk. Take a step of faith and believe big for, for yeah. what God can do in your life. Amen. Mark 5. This is really what I wanted to preach to you tonight. Is God wants to break you through so that you can break someone else through. Amen. You know why I'm here? Because I'm broke through. Amen. I've come to break someone else through. Yes. Mark 5. I'm going to start in verse 21. When Jesus had recrossed in the boat to the other side, a great throng gathered about him, and he was at the lake shore. Then one of the rulers of the synagogue came up, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he prostrated himself at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. 
And Jesus went with him. And a great crowd kept following him and pressed him from all sides so as almost to suffocate him. Jesus was being pressed. Think about that. You're being pressed on so much that your body, you're literally about to quit breathing. They were pressing upon Jesus. He, he was in a crowd. And there was, see, you can be in a crowd. It doesn't matter how many people are in the room tonight. We could have this place jam-packed to the gills. That doesn't mean that you have faith. Amen. You can be in a crowd and only one person have the faith. You know what you did when I prayed for you seven months ago, Randy? When I prayed that over you, you had faith. And said, what he just said, I believe. Yeah. And I receive it. And that's why you've been walking in it for seven months. Amen. Right? How's it, how's it been that good? Because God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him out. Amen. This is not a book of promises. It's a book of covenant. God will reward you when you seek him out. And some of you, you know, this is most of our starting prayers. God, if you're real, I need you to show me. Prove it. You know, which is fine. I think that's how a lot of people start out with prayer. That's how I start out my prayer. You know, God, if you're real, if you get me out of this jail, I'll be at church on Sunday. And then he says, you ain't never been to church. Right? I prayed that prayer many times. You know those people, you go to court, they're before the judge for like the tenth time. Look, when right after I got saved, I went to jail for some old charges. And uh, so it was like two months after I got saved. And so I didn't know anything about Christianity, literally, knew nothing. So as soon as I got locked up, I went and got a kite and ordered a rosary. And thought, well, I'm a Christian now, so I'm going to wear a rosary. Not knowing that that is, uh, you know, Catholicism, you know, pray to Mary. But you have those guys, they'll, they'll order, you know, rosaries. They got tattoos of rosaries on their body, like around their neck. And uh, those guys will come into court and the judge will say, tell me why I shouldn't send you back to prison. They'll lay a Bible on the podium. They're wearing their rosary and they said, your honor, I'm a changed man. I've given my life to the Lord. I promise when I get out of here, everything's going to change. I'm serving the Lord. I'm going to church. And the judge says, yeah, I've heard that about 20 times. I'm sending you back to prison. And what they do is they take the rosary off. They leave the Bible there. They lay it down and they walk away. That is the essence of a lot of Christians' faith. Is that they come to God and say, God, if you'll get me out of this jam, then I'll serve you. But when it doesn't work out your way, you take off the thing of your representation of your Christianity. And you say, that didn't work. Friend, that is not faith. That is, that, that, that is being a coward. You have to press in. You have to stand toward ground. You have to say, I don't care what pushes up against me. I am not backing up. I'm not backing up. Jesus is looking for the person that will touch him. Verse 25. And there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. Say 12 years. 12 years. Some of you have been addicted 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I was addicted for 12 years. Your addiction could be summed up as a flow of blood. It's whatever the devil has put on you and has been sucking the life out of you. It doesn't have to be addiction. 
can be anything. Can you know? The, the truth is, is a lot of people deal with health issues. You want to know the two things that the devil is attacking people on right now in, in life? Your health and your money. And both go hand in hand. If the devil attacks your health, what does it cost you? Your money. And I'm going to show you because it's right here in this story. And there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. And who had endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians. And had spent all that she had and was no better. But instead grew worse. You know what people do that come out of addiction? Or that are in recovery programs, rehab after rehab. Really what you're doing is you're enduring much suffering under the hands of a so-called doctor. Because they tell you they have the cure, but they don't have it. They tell you the way to get off drugs is to get on different drugs. Hey, you don't want to do heroin, get on Suboxone. Right? Hey, weed's legal now, just smoke that, right? Mm. You know, it's already happening, and you'll see it happen more often. Mm -hmm. You'll have preachers smoking joints from the mm -hmm. pulpit with their congregation. Mm -hmm. They'll have weed night. Mm. Wednesday night, weed night. Wow. <laughs> they already do Mercy. Mercy. Tonight's tap night. All the boys are meeting at the bar, and we're going to study theology and drink beers. Wow. But instead, we don't have to spend everything we have. Instead, they said, hey, we can make a lot of money off this. If you'll get on insurance, then we'll be the billion-dollar company. The government does not want people free from drugs. If you think they do, they don't. They want you on the stuff. Ain't it amazing, like, before you were on drugs, you were on no medications, and then once you started using, they put you on like 10. Yeah. Hey, you don't just need that, you need this. And then you need this, and then you need that. The Bible says, if you read it in Revelation 18, it says in the last days, the nations will be deceived by the spirit of sorcery. Mm. That word sorcery means pharmakia. Yeah. Right. You know what a vaccine is? Yeah. Pharmaceutical. Yeah. You know what a Suboxone is? Yeah. Pharmaceutical. You know what blood pressure medication is? Right. Pharmaceutical. Yes. So what they do is they say we're going to deceive the nations. We're going to manipulate them. We're going to twist their arm and make them obey us. How? By putting you on tons of medication so that you can't function without them. Yeah. And this is what they say. Hey, if you get two of a high-paying job, I'm on, I'm on then we're cutting your insurance and you no longer get your medication. So what does it cause you to do? Stay poor. Yeah. It's amazing. Stay on food stamps. Stay poor. And then the moment that you start doing things right, they say, hey, we're, we're taking your insurance. Okay, how much is 30 days worth of blood pressure medication? $3,000. That stuff's crazy. Billion dollar industry. So she didn't get better. Instead, she grew worse. She had heard the reports concerning Jesus and she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garment. Have you heard reports of Jesus? How many times have you been in here and you heard the report of what he's done for someone else? Yet you still sit with your ailment. You still sit with your weakness. You still sit with your addiction. What happened to that woman? It says that something arose up in her. For she kept saying... If only I can touch the hem of his garment. 
then I will be healed. Yes. If only I can touch him. If only I can touch him. Here's the problem with Christianity today. We come into the presence of God and we say, oh God, come and touch me. Oh God, come and move upon me. Oh God, come and do a miracle for me. But what you have to have tonight is some tenacity. You have to have some faith that says this. God, if you don't come in this room tonight and touch me, then before I leave, I'm coming up there and touching you. Because I'm not sitting around and waiting anymore. I'm tired of this addiction. I'm tired of this ailment. I'm tired of this sin. I am going to touch you before I get out of this room tonight. I'm going to touch you. Well, God didn't come touch me. The preacher didn't pray for me. No, you come and touch him. You come and touch him. I was in a meeting the other night and I was getting wrecked. I was, I was getting hammered. I was crying and the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, are you satisfied with everything that you have right now? Not as a rebuke, it was just like a question. And I thought, well, that's a trick question, God. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> he said, are you satisfied with what you have right now? And I thought, man, I can't get enough of this. And no, I'm not. I mean, I want as much as I can get. Right. You know, you never met a drug addict that says, I want less drugs tomorrow than I have today. <laughs> I want less alcohol tomorrow than I have today. No, I want more. I want the good stuff. So I, I, he asked me, are you satisfied? And I said, no, Lord, I'm not. He said, well, if you want more, you're going to have to cry out for it. If you want more, you're going to have to cry out for it. The question is, where is the cry out in your heart tonight? Is there actually a deep cry for a move of God in your life? Aren't you tired of coming back to church week after week, struggle after struggle, month after month, dealing with the same thing, the same thing? What happened is people got so sick and tired of being sick and tired that they begin to let a cry out of their heart that said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. If only I can touch him tonight, I will be healed. If only I can touch him tonight, I will be delivered. If only I can touch him, I will be clean. And I begin to cry out, God, I need your fire. God, I need your fire. And he gave me what I asked for. Because if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will our heavenly father give us the Holy Ghost when we ask of him? If you begin to cry out and say, God, give me your fire. He's not going to give you a stone. And immediately, say immediately. immediately. Not tomorrow, immediately. Her flow stopped. Her flow of blood was dried up at the source. And suddenly she felt in her body that she was healed of her distressing ailment. Yes. Who's in here right now? As I've been preaching, you came in feeling, <laughs> feeling that attack. But as I've been preaching, you have felt that lift and you feel like, man, I feel something in my body like something has changed. Who is that in here right now? You felt that. While I was preaching, I'm asking a question. Who is it? Raise your that girl right here with the glasses. Come up here. Because when you begin to receive the word of God and the anointing, all of a sudden God begins to shake things. He begins to change it. 
Lift your hands. Close your eyes. Every attack of fear and anxiety on your life. Mm. I'm breaking off right now. Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> Broken. Yes. The Lord says you've been in the fight of your life. Mm. Wondering how am I going to get out? You get out today. Now! In yes. Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Let it be broken. Yes, Lord. That girl that sitting next to her in the hoodie right here. Come up here. Yes. That's it. I'm breaking all that stress off of you right now. Yes, in Jesus' name, touch me. The anointing sets you free. Them. 
Alarmed and frightened and trembling, they fell down. Why? Because when Jesus comes to touch you, it doesn't make sense in your head. You ever seen a, I heard a guy say this recently and burnt me up. He said, Lord, we want the fire with understanding, not just an emotion. Let me tell you something. If I set you on fire right now with gasoline and a match, would that be a fire of understanding or emotion? <laughs> Lord, I understand that my body is burning to a crisp. <laughs> No, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. Because when the fire comes to touch you, it makes you emotional. It does something to you that your body can't handle, that your mind can't contain. And God wants to do something to you tonight that surpasses your thinking, surpasses your, your, your understanding. Because that's what he does. You have to be so desperate for him. But the woman, knowing what had been done for her, though alarmed and frightened and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith. Say your faith. Your faith. Not my promise. The Lord said, it's not my promise. It was your faith. Amen. Your trust and confidence in me, springing from faith in God, has restored you to health. Go into peace and be continually healed and free from your distressing bodily disease. Amen. That's my phone. I can't remember where the scripture is. So that happened in Mark 5, right? Mark 6. You would think they wrote this in order or something. <laughs> Mark 6. I'll start verse 53. And when they had crossed over, they reached the land of Gesenaret and came to anchor at the shore. As soon as they got out of the boat, the people recognized him. And they ran about the whole countryside and began to carry around sick people on their sleeping pads or mats to any place where they heard that he was. And wherever he came into villages or cities or the country, they would lay the sick in the marketplaces and beg him that they might touch even the fringe of his outer garment. And as many as touched him were restored to health. What happened? She broke through. And then when all the people heard, they broke through. It's not enough tonight for you just to break through. Because if you continue to read that story, this is what I realize. We hear about the woman with the issue of blood that she pressed in, right? She had faith. But I'm going to tell you who pressed in more than her. It was Jairus. Because the Bible tells us that Jairus went to her first and said, I need a miracle for my kid. And it says, while he was walking to her house, 
the woman stopped him. You want to know what happens to most people in the church? While you're on your way to your miracle, someone comes along and has more faith and gets theirs first and you become discouraged. Mm. How come they're free? How come they got their kids back? How come they're no longer struggling? How are they breaking through? Listen, listen, Jairus never asked questions. Just He didn't say, well, look, the woman with the issue of blood got in the way. Here I am. Listen, the Bible didn't say that his daughter was dead. It says she was sick. And then here come the reporters. Jairus still pressing in faith. Here come the reporters. Hey, don't even bother coming. Your daughter died. What did Jesus say? Shut up. Let's go. She's asleep. You have to have a Jairus faith. That says, I don't care who got their miracle before me. I don't care who got in my way. I am not going to be wavered. I am not going to be moved. Because here's the thing. Here's the great thing about it. Most people have a faith with the woman of the issue of blood. They're only willing to press in for themselves. Jairus didn't press in for himself. He pressed in for the next generation. God wants to take you from pressing in for you and needing your healing and needing your miracle and saying, God, I can see a generation ahead of me that the world thinks they're dead. The world thinks that Gen Z is dead. He thinks that the transgenders and the homosexuals and all the drug addicts and the prostitutes, that all the world, even the church is saying, oh, this generation is dead. And Jesus is saying, no, friend, they're not dead. They're just asleep. But there's a man who has faith in this room tonight. And as he presses in, that generation is going to be awakened in this final hour of time. I'm not here to press in for me. I'm here tonight to press in for you. That's real faith. God's not going to set you free for you. You want to know why? Because like I said, you've been discarded. You've been kicked aside. You've been rejected. So when God delivers you, now you're going to say, hey, I know how it feels. I know where you've been. I know what you're going through. So when God breaks you through, you're going to look at others and say, I'm about to break you through. Come on. Hey, how are you going to break me through? I'm going to say, I, I ran into a man. I was hearing reports about a man named Jesus. And then I thought to myself, if only I can touch him. If only I can touch him. And one chapter later, entire villages were showing up and saying, if only I can touch him, then I will be healed. All you have to do is go and tell your story. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. And watch this generation be shaken. Watch this generation be saved in Jesus' name. Let me tell you what happened in my life recently. I began to pray. Because that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. Amen. I heard a Chinese guy say recently, he said, do you know why I pray to God? And I thought, man, this is going to be powerful. And he said, because God is real. I thought, wow. What if we Christians, what if we prayed to God because we thought he was actually real and would answer? There's nowhere in the Bible where you pray and God says, no, wait, maybe. The Bible says if you ask anything according to his will, he'll give it to you. The book or the Bible also says the book of Matthew, it says if you ask in faith, 
believing and receiving, then he'll give it to you. What, what am I saying? You have to learn. What is faith? You have to receive here before it manifests here. It has to become evident from Christians. They don't want God in public schools. You're not going to find anyone that wants to hear about Jesus in the public school system. They're all, they're all Democrats. They're all liberals. They're, they're, they're all on the wrong side pushing demonic agenda. And it, you as a Christian, what you think in your mind is, yeah, all these schools are demonic. And they're teaching demonic stuff. Some of them are, right? So that was my thinking. I'm going to go in here. They don't want to hear anything I have to say. So I go in first class and I tell my story. A teacher comes up to me afterwards and says, son, let me tell you something. She says, I want to thank you for giving God all the glory today in your story. She said, listen to me. This is your story. You can say whatever you want. Now, listen, when you give me the green light, I put my pedal to the floor. I, I run red lights. So when you give me a green light, I'm about to go. I'm going to pass go collect 200 on the way. Man. Let's go. So I thought, all right, I'm going to let it rip. Second class, I just started telling them, I'm a minister of the gospel. Jesus changed my life. So at the end of that class, I have two teachers come up to me, and they said, hey, we're so moved by your story. They said, we run an alternative school. They said, will you come to our school next? I said, yeah, I will. You know what the alternative school is, right? It's basically like all the bad kids, all the drug addicts, all the truant kids, all in one school. It's kind of like prison, but you get out every day. All the worst people in one place. So I begin to think, like, how am I going to do this? I don't know how we're going to do this. So we went in. We just did the same thing. So first class, boom. Second class, boom. Third class, what happens is there's only about four kids in there. And I start to talk about my story. And all of a sudden, this hippie teacher throws his arms out and says, oh, my gosh. He said, I can feel the presence of God in this room right now. And I look at those kids and they're shocked. Like, I don't know what's happening. I said, you can feel that same presence. I said, what? I said, if you feel that presence and you feel that presence, come up here. If you need to receive Jesus Christ, let's just pray right now. And you can give your lives to Jesus. All four students plus the teacher gave their lives to Christ right there in that class. Actually, I do know how. Faith. You have to put your faith out. Because what I learned is if you believe the reporters and the news of Christians, you're never going to put your faith out for anything. I'll be a drug addict my whole life. I'll be a sinner my whole life. I'm never going to make it out my whole life. I'm going to be poor. I'm going to be broke. No, you can break through. At the end of the school day, I go up to a teacher and I said, hey, let me ask you a question. I just thought I'm going to push the envelope. So she said, yeah, what's going on? I said, do you have any after-school programs? She said, uh, no, not right now. She said, what were you thinking, like a mentorship program? I said, sure. I didn't even offer. She offered. I said, sure, I just agreed. She said, yeah, let me talk to the principal. I think I could do that. So they talked to the principal. We're praying. God opens up the door for us to go in. So they said, do you have a curriculum? I said, uh, yeah, my friend has one, and I'm going to look at that. It was like a word of wisdom because I had absolutely nothing. <laughs> The Lord gave me a creative idea. He just told me, hey, make your own. I could tell you that whole story. It's a whole other thing. He said, create your own curriculum. Here's my curriculum. The first statement says, this is a faith-based curriculum. And through the rest of it, I don't mention Jesus. I don't mention anything. I, I just, I, I write it out. But the first statement is, this is a faith-based curriculum. 
That way, if they try to come back to me and say, hey, you're talking about Jesus, I'm going to say, yeah, I told you this was a faith-based curriculum. So I send that over, and they're like, yeah, come, come. We want you to come. Right now, we go into that alternative school every Thursday. I, I feed the boys lunch, and we minister to them. I get eight boys. Now, the first time I was there, there was a young man, long black hair, fingernails painted black. So I could tell what kind of lifestyle where he was going. So we minister, we do what we do. Uh, at the end, I said, look, if you guys need to receive Jesus, let's pray. All three, it, first class was three men. Three young men gave their lives to Jesus. Two weeks later, I come back, that young man comes in, and he was out of school. He finished all school work. I said, what are you doing here? He said, well, I asked my teacher if I could still come back and be in your classes. Uh, because uh, they really helped me. And I said, really? I said, what would you learn? He said, well, he said, well, I realize I do need to be closer to God in my life. And so I looked down, fingernails aren't painted black anymore. He's looking like a young boy. Amen. And so then in that class, I begin to go around the room. And I thought, I'm going to ask these kids what's going on in their life. First kid, I said, where's your parents? He said, uh, my mom died from a drug overdose. Mm. Uh, I've never met my father. Mm. Next kid, where's your parents? My mother died when I was a kid from sickness. My father's mm. in prison for life. Mm. Next kid, where's your parents? My dad's in jail right now for drug addiction. My mom died from the drug overdose. Mm. Wow. I began to go. I began to. <laughs> I began to go around the room, and every single kid's story was exactly similar. The wow. same. Awesome. And I thought to myself, man. We, we have to do something about it. I can't just, what, what are we going to sit by? I mean, what, what are we waiting for? Why did God break you through? Why? Why did God break you through? Come on. So we go in, and then what happened was, Thursday, this week, Wednesday night, I made a decision. I said, Lord, I'm going to bless. I went to preach, and there was a bunch of troubled kids there. And they were, they were uh, advertising a, a youth camp, $275 per kid. And I felt the Lord speak to me, find out how many kids want to go to camp, and you're going to pay for it. So at first there was only three kids, and I thought, all right, that's easy. And then all the kids started coming in, and I thought, oh, shoot, how much is this going to cost? <laughs> at the end, I said, how many kids you know for sure your parents would pay for you to go to camp, but you really want to go to camp? Six kids raised their hand. Two of them were sitting next to each other's sisters, and their parents were on both sides of them. And I thought, well, they just told on y'all. Wow. <laughs> but they told me, yeah, we can't afford it. I said, so I'm paying $1,650 to send all these kids to camp. Oh, I'm wow. paying through the ministry. But here's what I told the Lord. I took that seed. I said, Lord, when I sow this seed, I'm asking you to give me this generation. I'm asking you to give me a breakthrough in the schools. I'm asking you to give me a breakthrough in my city. I attach my faith. If you plant an orange seed, what are you going to expect to get? An orange. an orange tree. So you can have faith attached to what you give. The next day we went into the school. At the end of the day, after the class, the principal stopped me in uh, Phil. I, I, we've been there for six weeks. I never talked to the principal. He said, uh, hey, can you come talk to me in my office? Now listen. <laughs> I've been called to the office a lot in life. <laughs> and it was either you're getting kicked out of here, you're getting suspended, you're in trouble, you've done something wrong. So I kind of looked at Phil and I thought, hey, we gave it a good shot, man. We did what we could. It's over. 
So we go up, this teacher began, this is his first statements. He said, I took this job 13 years ago because I'm a Christian. He said, I wanted to make a difference in kids' lives. He said, I got hurt in church about 13 years ago. And uh, he said, I really just haven't gotten plugged back in. He said, I love God and I, you know, I'm still a Christian. He said, but I've not just not been involved in church programming since then. He said, but I'm so moved by what you guys are doing and how consistent you are. He said, you know, I really want to see these kids' lives change. He said, but I'm not up for church programming again because I know what it costs. He said, it, it, you know, it's a sacrifice to do that. He said, but the reason I brought you in here is because I wanted to tell you. If you wanted to come in here every day and speak to my kids, you can come in here every day. He said, if you want an hour, I'll give you an hour. If you want two hours, I'll give you two hours. He said, I want to give you access to my building. He said, if you want to start an after school program where you can do Bible studies or worship services with these kids, wow. I'll give you wow. this building to use it for whatever you want it for. Wow. wow. Hallelujah. The next day, Friday, that night, Thursday night, I told that testimony. I sowed another $1,000. I gave an offering, and I said, Lord, I'm sowing another 1000 tonight, and I'm attaching my faith again. Lord, give me more breakthrough. I sowed that seed. I'm not saying I paid for a miracle. I'm telling you what happened. You work it out in your own heart. Lord, I'm attaching my faith to this. I'm sowing. Give me more breakthrough. Friday, we go to another middle school. Me and Phil's wife. For, uh, I spoke to four different 8th grade classes, 50 students in each class. The first class, I'm 10 minutes into me telling my story, and all of a sudden I hear this shriek. And I look, and I'm like, what was that? There was a, probably a 14-year-old African-American girl who had doubled over and started weeping. God was touching her right in the classroom. She had to get up and leave. By the end of the first class, I had five girls get up because God was moving in that room and had to get up and leave because they couldn't contain themselves. Amen. Crying under the power of God. Amen. At the end of that day, I went and sat down with the teachers and had, had lunch with the lady that brought me in. First off, I had one teacher come up to me. She was crying the whole time. She said, will you come to my school next? I said, absolutely. I'm coming Amen. to your school next. I started talking to them. I said, let me, let me, what, what do you guys know about faith? What, what, what does your school take a stance on? I said, because listen, I said, I can come in here and do this, but this isn't enough. I said, we have to give these kids the ability to respond to God in their life. I said, I, I said I'm doing a mentorship program at Rise. The teacher said, yeah, I heard about you yesterday. And the teacher told me I needed to meet you. And here you are today right in front of me. She said, so I'm asking you to come to my school. So the lady in charge of that place, the counselor, she said, uh, I said, what about if we do an after school program here where we could do like a worship service or something? She said, yeah, let's do it. Friend, let me tell you something. The world may be telling you. Christians may be telling you that this generation is dead, but I'm telling you, Jesus is about to speak and say, Talitha Kumai, arise and walk because this generation is not dead. It is just asleep. God is just looking for one man or one woman who will extend their faith and press in to touch this generation. Amen. 50% of young people Deal with fear and anxiety. I did a youth event the other night. A hundred kids. I gave a call for fear and anxiety. Half the room came up. 
Half of young people, students, have been sexually abused. I just begin to look at those kids and I would just look at them in the eye and I'd say, I believe in you. I believe in you. No one else in your life might believe in you, but I believe in you. God can take the wreckage of your life and completely turn it around. Most of these kids' parents don't even care about them. Mm. The teacher told me one kid got caught doing a handoff of THC gummies, got suspended, and the father, they were his gummies. And he was so offended, he came to the school mm. and tried to rip them up one side and down the other and filed a lawsuit on the school. Wow. Hmm. The state of Washington, the state of Minnesota, and whatever blue state, whatever demonic agenda, whatever antichrist system. Wants to tell our people, our young people, hey, you're in an identity crisis. You can have a sex change. Friend, I'm going to come right behind them and say, hey, you might be in an identity crisis, but I know a man that can turn it all around. And his yeah. name is Jesus. I'm not going to sit around and just watch it happen. I'm going to be a man of God that takes steps of faith and makes it happen. How am I going to do it? I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. I'm going to cast out devils. I'm going to cleanse the leper. That's what I'm going to do. Amen. And that's what God wants to do for you. Why would God break you through? So you could break someone else through. Amen. Your freedom is not for you. It's Amen. for someone else. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed in the room tonight. The Bible says that the children of Israel were walking through the desert and they came upon... They came upon a, a body of water. And they said the water was bitter. God told Moses, Moses, throw this stick in the water. And the Bible says that stick turned that water from bitter to sweet. When Moses held the stick out over the sea, it turned their bitter situation into a sweet one. What do those sticks represent? They represent the cross of Calvary. No matter how bitter your life is tonight. No matter how dark your life is right now where you're at in life. No matter how much you're struggling where you're at tonight. All it takes is the cross. To take every bitter situation in your life and make it sweet. You're in this room tonight. And you're not right with God. I said it from the beginning. If Jesus split the sky tonight, if you were to lay your head on the pillow tonight and you did not wake up tomorrow morning, where would you spend eternity? You realize tonight you're not right with God. Your passion has died out. You are lukewarm. You are cold. You have lost your first love. Your life is full of sin, full of baggage tonight. If Jesus came, you don't know where you would spend eternity. And you realize, 
I need to repent. I, I need to turn to God tonight. I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. I need to make things right. I need my sins to be cleansed. I need them to be washed. I need to be made new in the presence of God tonight. You're here in this room. And if you breathed your last breath this night, you're not sure where you would spend eternity. But tonight, you want to make a decision. You say, Cody, I need to make things right with God in my life tonight. I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. If you're in this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, Cody, that's me. Pray for me tonight. Cody, pray for me tonight. Thank you. God bless you. I see hands all over the room. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. You're in this room tonight. You're right with God. You've made a decision before in your life. But you realize, you know what? I've, I've not broke through in an area of my life that I need to break through. I've been stuck. I've not had a level of faith to break through. But you want to break through tonight. If that's you in the room, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, Cody, pray for me tonight. Thank you. Thank you. I see hands. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. And last but not least, you're in the room tonight and you realize, you know what? I've broken through, but I've not done anything with it. And I know that God is requiring of me tonight to break other people through. I've broke through, but I've not broken others through. And you realize tonight, Cody, I need to do that. I need you to pray for me. I'm ready to break people through. If you're in the room tonight, just slip your hand up and say, Cody, that's me tonight. Thank you. Thank you. I see hands all over. Thank you. God bless you. You're in this room. Or everyone stay to your feet tonight. Here's what I want to do. I felt this before I came. I'm going to pray for everyone in the house tonight. But if you raised your hand tonight for the first call to get right with God, to repent of your sins, to give your life to Christ because you're not sure God bless you. Thank of where you're listening. Messages on if that Facebook was you, or Instagram, you raise your hand, I want you to come to this altar right now. Come quickly. Don't give the devil another minute of your life. Don't give him 